Welcome to A Court of Transformation and Awakening. I'm Lori Gray. And I'm Amanda Grace Harrison. And today we are discussing book one, chapter 11. Okay, so we ended chapter 10 on a little cliffhanger here. I mean, this is definitely one where I just had to go on and read it. Yeah, um, Oh, her dad's there. All right, I'm gonna yeah. go to sleep for the night now. Yeah, so she looks out her window. Dad, there's her there? dad, which we find out was not her dad. No. It was a, how do you say it? Puka. A puka. puka. It was a puka that would have eaten her slowly. Yes. Super fun. Which, you know, so Tamlin catches her the last minute and lets her, uh, lets her know this. Thank goodness. Or she would have been slowly devoured. Right. By the said puka. This poor girl, though, I mean, let's, she knows her dad's crippled. I know. When... She knows. <laughs> Like but she, somehow. but like it just tells us like they're deep down, she was holding on to hope that he was going to come for her, and I think that she knew he wasn't. Yeah, well, couldn't, couldn't. It wouldn't have been safe. Like, there's no way he would have. Like, based on their stories of it, there's no way he could have even gotten there. And when she's leaving, he's not saying, "I'm coming for you." He's basically like, yeah. good luck. Yeah, go. No and if you get come free, back. run away. Because he, he's like, like from the get-go, he's like, yeah, there's nothing we can do here. Just like, if you get free, run. Like, no yeah. indication that he's coming. Um, you know, and yet there, there's there's a part of her that well, wants But this. this is the first time she's had, well, it's not really the first time, but it's the first time that it's that personal. Where, it, like, she's not, even though Alice has said, keep your wits about you, don't trust your senses, she still, she sees her dad. And she, did you really think that I wasn't going to follow my dad? Like, if I see my dad out the window and he's beckoning, saying, come on, we got to go. Of course I'm going to go. He's, I mean, he's my dad. Yes. I have nothing to hold on to. No reason to go. No, dad, I'm not going to come with you. Right. Even though you obviously struggled to get here over a two days journey. Obviously. Yeah, she just she's can't gonna see go. it. Poor thing, yeah. But I was I was thinking about this, you know, with her with her relationship with her dad and like with with parents. I, it, this was actually a conversation I had recently too, where reconciling who our parents actually are with who we would like them to be. Hmm. <laughs> Let's just sit with that for a minute. Um. Hmm. This, and I think it's a grieving process for most of us when we're kids, you know, I don't know what age it is for, for everybody else, but when you realize that like your parents or caregivers or the adults in your life are actually just human beings, um, that's kind of a shock. But even as adults, there is, I think for many of us still this sense of like, this is who I want this person to be, this, this, you know, idyllic version of them that i imagine that i want and i know they could be <laughs> they have the potential to be that person i know person. it and it's like and they're they're not that person hmm. um you know and one of the i think that there was th of this version of it though there was a way that this work was kind of taught to me initially where it's almost like you have to just accept that this is who they are Right, you have to accept that they are who they are, that they who they are, and let go of this idea like them being different, and and honestly, I think that there there's a part of that that makes sense, 
And yet sometimes I think it's hard to do because the part of us that wants them to be this other version, I think is often like this like younger version of ourself that's that's within us. And one of the ways that I presented it to somebody recently was I'm like, what if you didn't have to reconcile all of that? What if you could recognize that there is a part of you that wants this parent to be different and you can just hold that and also hold the acceptance of like, it's also not who they are. Like, can it just both be true? Like, I would I would like them to be different than they are, but they're actually not different than who they are. This is who they are, and I, I accept it as reality, and I make decisions based on reality. Um, and sometimes there are things like that when I think that we're, we're pushed to be of one mind about things. And sometimes I've found the most peace just letting myself hold both and not feel like I have to make one go away or like that one has to overpower the other. Um, I think we're allowed to have deep desires that don't make a bit of sense. Yeah. I don't have to get rid of them. I can think of a few of my own <laughs> right now that I'm not going to give up. <laughs> that, that we're going to keep and hold on to. Um, no logic. Yeah. But this, you know, but it, it's interesting, you know, I, and I, I do see it go like in a unhealthy way. I think sometimes there are, there are things that we're holding out for we're holding out for we're holding out for the apology yeah that's never going to come no we're holding out for the person to change who is dang it they're just going to keep being who they are because that's who they are they're not going to actually be a different person no matter how frustrated you are frustrated you are by it like they and it's funny i do it too but like people are shocked they're like i can't believe they did this thing and said this thing. I'm like, is that out of character for them? They're like, no. well, no, that's how they always act. I'm <laughs> like, so why are we so surprised? <laughs> so they showed up exactly the way you know them to show up? Yes. And you're super frustrated by that? Yes. I'm like, okay, let's talk about that. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a shocking thing that people do, how they sh- continue to show up and be themselves. Yes. <laughs> shocking. Utterly, utterly surprising all the time. But it... But again, like, we can have all the logic and we can be silly about it, but also, like, I think we can just have compassion that it makes sense that sometimes that younger version of us still wants, we still want them to be this other person. And as long as we're in acceptance of reality, I just don't think there's any harm in just letting that be. Yeah. Because Feyre, I think we just see that deep down she... She's got some things here that she would like her father to be, but that is just not actually who he is. No. No, he isn't. And he did not come he did not to come. rescue her. And it wouldn't have made any sense for her to go with him anyways, because Tamlin already said if she goes across that wall, then all bets are off. And, right. You know, the, yeah, it so. wouldn't have even worked. She wasn't, uh, which but I mean, again, it is the middle fight of or flight, middle of the night. We're not being rational. It's all no. fine. Um, but this does, this pushes <clears throat> the conversation about her family because he's like, yeah. he's like, why are you, he, he's kind of like pushing the subject. Like, why? Yeah, why and do you like, want to go back to that life? He's like, oh, you're still just, you're just not giving up. And she's like, how could I? Like, yeah. how can I just sit here, like living in luxury, stuffing myself, you know, and he has to repeat for her that they're cared for. Yeah, your which, family is better cared for now than they were when you were there, which yes. that's news to her. He hadn't told her that before. Right, because before he was like, he's like, did you think I wouldn't, 
I would take their only source of income and not take care of them. She's like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Like it was so vague. She's like, like did, is that did enough? They give them is that a lot of money? Is, that is it going to get them through the two winter? We- yeah, two weeks, and then it's not enough, and then here's this thing. Yeah. But instead, he's like, they're. He adds this comfortable, like they're they are fed, fed and comfortable, and they're comfortable. And if it was true, then then it was beyond anything I'd ever dared hope for. Okay, so there's three things. There's a thing that she says here, and then the thing that she says at the end, which I think is is super interesting. So she says, you know, my life was now owned by the treaty, but perhaps I'd been freed in another sort of way. Because well, all she's had, these, she said it so many times, like, all I have is this promise I gave my mom. All I had this. And now she's suddenly like, wait, they're fed and comfortable. That means that this whole thing I had my whole life was based on, my vow to my mother, is fulfilled. Right. It's over. Right. Wait, what? <laughs> my whole right? life, all these years, all that struggle, and suddenly it's over. And she says, it stunned me enough that I didn't say anything for a moment as well. Yeah. She's just dumbfounded. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and in this first place, she's like, she's like, maybe I'd been freed, okay, which has kind of like a positive language. Mm-hmm. If we go over to the next, the next thing, so she sits there for a little bit and it really, uh, you know, settles with her that she was going to live here forever. But she says, without the weight of that promise, I was mm-hmm. left hollow and empty. And it, it just reminds me again of like human capacity to hold multiple things at once, right? Which is what we were just talking about. Like that it feels both freeing and hollow. And that the idea that for, for something to happen that is dramatically changes your life in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. The idea that we're supposed to feel one way about it. Or that all the emotions are supposed to neatly fit into positive or negative. Doesn't actually jive with the human experience. No. And yet so many people make themselves wrong. And I don't know why. This idea of like, there's a way that I should feel or the way that I feel should make sense in some way. I'm like, when is that true for any human that you talk to ever who's honest about their experience? Because change is always different. And there's always a measure of grieving a thing that we've lost, even if the change is a change that, that we want. Like, it's yeah, always positive. Goes. There's all there. And that's, and that's been a huge thing that I've seen come up a lot in the past few years where it's like you, we, we're all familiar with you have to have time to grieve when someone dies or when something yeah. that you love is taken away from you. But when something you hate is taken away from you, when something that's horrible ends, there's still this grieving of what what even in a weird way no it exactly you still it, your life is so dramatically different now there's you just have to take time to process okay that's not my life anymore that was so my life yeah and on so not my life yeah i mean this was over well over a decade ago i'm trying to think how long ago this would have been probably 17 years ago and i mean i think about the amount of teachings and like input that i've had that i'll remember a bit of but being in a teaching and the person saying the brain processes all change as loss mm. all change as loss even if it's negative or even if it's positive and it became one of those things that like i love having conversations with people within their first year of marriage because like if you talk to people it's like how are you doing great it's so fun it's so whatever and then i grab people and i pull them to the side and i'm like Tell me for real how much you're crying, like, lately. <laughs> how many times have like, you locked yourself like, in the bathroom door and cried? They're like, on oh, the my gosh, side. all the time. Like, what's wrong with me? I'm like, nothing, <laughs> nothing. First year no, and, and 
but I explained this to them. I'm like that there's a measure of it that's like one, yeah, there's a bit of it that's hard and it's all of that, but the concept that the brain does process all changes loss. And like, even though it's a change you wanted, even if it's positive, even if it's all those things, it's significant. And there's, there's a grieving period and an excitement period. And, and it's okay if they're contradictory. Like I experience this sometimes whenever I'm at home, like with my family, um, I love you family. If you're ever listening to this podcast, but, um, I will be sitting there, I will be sitting there in a moment where I will notice like feeling contradictory things like I, the town, like the vibe, the feel, the culture, it's not my place. Like, and a lot of times whenever I'm there, I just recognize how much I don't like that, that culture. And so on the one hand, I'm like, I can't wait to get back to my people. And then I'm also sitting there with my nieces and nephews and I'm like, I want to stay here. And I equally, I'm like, I want to be here more and I want to be here less at the same time and they're contradictory and that's actually normal yeah and my phrase and i started using it primarily whenever i went home but i've started using it for so much of life i was like there's room for all the emotions Mm. as long as i don't tell myself it's supposed to be a certain way as long as i don't tell myself it needs to fit into a neat box or a category like if we actually were just like uh we're allowed to feel it all then when it's like, oh, I'm happy and I'm sad and I'm mad and I'm feel free and burdened and hollow and, you know, whatever. <laughs> Which is really the appropriate <laughs> response at any given point when someone says, how are you? That's really the response that like, we should say. How long that's true. of a list do you want right now? Like all the things, you know, at once. Yeah, I had a, actually it was in a, in a coaching call today. I asked, I'm like, how are you doing? And they just like made a face. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, you know, they, they were like, they're like, I actually get that. Like that makes that makes sense. And sometimes people are just like they're like it's just all the things. I'm like I resonate with that. Um, I resonate with that as well. So, but when we're talking, especially about cycle breaking, right? And I, I, you know, Feyre's life for me is just such an example of that. But there's been a there's been a way of being. There's been a way Mm. with her family, a way in her life, a way that she's been functioning for the last several years. And we are definitely in this time where things are changing of course she's going to feel a lot of things yeah she's like free and hollow and i'm like uh-huh at the same time like when that when that thing is gone and i just feel like it's another one of those things where i'm like that's more accurate to real life than it just being one way yes but yeah but she's this like hollow and empty thing. I think you see this a lot with empty nesters too, where if you've been living your entire life for other Mm. people, then what happens when they don't need you anymore? Terrifying. And well, I mean, and not just empty nesters. I don't think my husband would mind me sharing this, but for years because of my chronic illness, he had to take a caretaker role for a really long amount of time where I need just needed help all the time. So we've got young kids and then me disabled. And because of my daughter's allergy, she couldn't be in childcare. So really like, you know, he was just home and like that had to be his primary role for a really long time. And then it was interesting where then suddenly my health got better and like, I didn't need caretaking and the girls got older and they didn't need him. And there was a moment where he felt a little lost. Like, this is who I've been for a lot of years. This is what I've done. This is what I've been known as. Like, this has been my role. You know, and he had to go through that. Like, and the thing is, all of that was positive. Of course he was happy. 
Right. That. <laughs> and he'd rather not know what to Much do with himself rather. than have to be a full-time caregiver. Right. But, but, yeah, but whenever we have, but I do wonder, you know, for so many people, like, how many people, if they have just been, if they have primarily been living their life for other people. Um, and again, you, you take that away and then it's like, what's left? Like back to like Pharaoh. She's like, maybe, maybe I'll figure out what I actually want. Of course she doesn't know what she wants. Like everything about what she's yeah. been doing has been for her family. No clue what any of this is. No. Anything else on this one for you? On this chapter? Yeah, in this chapter. I have, uh, I just, uh, uh, Lucian's statement that you don't hold on to power by being everyone's friend. Ooh. That one definitely. Oh, I had not. Totally jumped down. I mean, that's on page one. Yeah, no, 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 I see it. Mm, what are your thoughts on that one? Well, it's Do you agree? true. Yeah, I think don't so. Hold on to power by being everyone's friend. I mean, where they're going with that was like. He would probably shred them for disobeying his order to stay away. Well, you don't hold on to power by being everyone's friend. That's a little polar opposite of being everyone's friend. It's yeah, it's violence, an but but there's some truth to there's it. There's definitely yeah, you don't hold on to power by being everyone's friend. And then, I mean, then it goes into power dynamics and all of that. But yeah, that's a significant moment, though. I a mean, firm hand is needed. Or at say. least clear boundaries, right? Like the, you know, the conversation yeah. around, you know, with relationship teachings, like when we're talking peer to peer, you know, I, I, one of the things I teach, I'm like, if you, if you want, if you want relationships to be simpler, like one of the very first things you have to understand is like what you can and can't control and you can control you yeah. and you can't control them. And yet, and like, you're like, oh, no, I get that. But then they start talking. I'm like, mm, but you notice your solution right there is to try to control them. And so we'll always come back to like in, in peer relationships, like we do not control other humans. We, you know, releasing expectations, like letting other people be who they are. Like these are all really healthy things. Um, but I do have to remind people, I'm like, that's different than like employer, employee. Mm. This is different than you know, other situations where there is an agreement and consent among people that we have different roles. Because, yeah, you can't go into a, a work setting and be like, everybody, there's no expectations. Zero expectations for any of our employees. Yeah. Everybody just gets to have agency not even a job description. as humans. Just do what you want. We'll trust everything to get done. Yes. There are situations where... Yeah, where there has to be, where sometimes the most loving thing is for all of that to be clear and yeah. outlined and expectations to be outlined. And yeah, I mean, back on, you know, kind of some of the people pleasing stuff, this is, this is a conversation my daughter and I have had where she doesn't like, she doesn't, yeah, she's a little uncomfortable with direct communication. <laughs> We're working on it and I am too. But instead of saying clearly what she wants, she tries to like make a joke so it's really mm -hmm. light and then it's just confusing right where i'm like i get it like in this place of like just trying to just trying to like give a joke and like give you a hint she's like i'm just gonna make this joke that gives you a hint and then you'll understand what i want and i'm like oh sweet girl like i get it but it's really just confusing everybody yes. like can you just say like if you want your sister to stop that Instead of like trying to make a funny joke about it that maybe would give her the inkling that you weren't happy with the thing that you were doing, can you just say, please stop? Like, can we just say, please stop? It's so hard. direct. It's, you know, it's hard. Please stop. 
but but kind of the idea of like I don't want to upset anybody mm. and in my attempt to not upset you know upset anybody and be everybody's friend sometimes what we sacrifice is clarity and honesty yeah definitely clarity. or at least those of us who struggle with people pleasing do I don't know about the rest of the planet yes <laughs> oh man okay last thing in this chapter yeah. for me there's got this dream little <clears throat> icky dream mm -hmm. but she wakes up and you know she she's dreaming about you know killing andrus and only this time he's an actual i want to call him a human hi fae but yeah. that looks like a human it's got the pointed ears that otherwise looks like a man yeah and now she's murdered him and he's her it's warm and sticky blood all over yeah you know and she wakes up and um you know when she recognizes what she's feeling you know that it was regret and maybe shame Mm-hmm. You know, that, that she's feeling. She finally catches up with her. Yeah. And and again, I I think, you know, points for this for me that stands out. I'm like, we've seen her her go from, if it's a fairy, it's better off dead, to, okay, well, I know it was a fairy, but I just can't regret it, to, oh, shoot, they're a human. Okay, I'm actually really sorry to to the sense of, like, nightmares and deep regret. And we, we, we see that, that change. And... I don't know. I think I think sometimes when there's stuff in our past, there's this like push to know what we think about it, and like I have to know what I think about it right now and it be figured out. And I'm always like, this is what I think about it for now. And whenever I'm making decisions, I I know that like the best I can do is make a decision right now based on the information that I have. And I'm like, I may change my mind about this in a year, like two years. I may look back on this and it may be different. This thing from my past that this is how I think of it now in the future. I may look back on it differently. And I even saw this in my book. Like it, when I wrote my book, I was doing, I was talking a little bit about my disordered eating and I explained my disordered eating in the book to the extent that I understood it at the time. Right. But now I'm like, oh, I don't, think, like, I don't I, think, I don't think that's how it worked at all. <laughs> Oh, I need to rewrite this one. You know, but that, but that was, you know, and that's the thing with anything, it's like a snapshot in a journey. Um, right. But I think it's it's good reminder for us that we are allowed to evolve. And as we evolve and we, we grow, we see the world differently. And as we grow and evolve, we're also going to see the past differently. Yeah. And that we don't have to go back and then make ourselves wrong for how we saw it initially. We can also just choose to celebrate the fresh eyes that we can see things with. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a sign of growth to to look at that. And also, shame is not useful. <laughs> I don't know shame. Now that we brought the word shame. 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 It's in there. You know what? An interesting thing. So I, this, this concept of like shame isn't useful, like I've heard. One thing, this was actually just a thing that I heard from an individual. Um, it's the gal who does our neurofeedback stuff, who I I love. I think she's brilliant. Um, she's she's not a person who's going to go write a book, but she studies stuff constantly and she mm. works with the brain constantly. And one thing she told me was, where there's shame, there's trauma. Mm. Where there's shame, there's trauma. I think shame had been presented to me like in this way of it's an emotion that you feel based on the thought you're having and there's like some choice here. It's like, well, just don't choose to do that one. But this deeper insight, she's like, when you see a person experiencing shame, she's like, I can guarantee you that the reason they're doing that is linked to trauma. And I thought about that. I'm like, right, because 
shame is different from guilt. Guilt is like, yeah. I made, I did a thing wrong. Shame is like, I am wrong. And yeah. what else would teach a human being that they, as a person, were wrong, except there's some, except for something that was so deeply traumatic that the brain yeah. wasn't able to store it normally, because that's never the thing. Like yeah. that's that's not ever the answer. That's not ever the thing that's really happening. And you know, and, and you know, Brene Brown's like, you know, you know, the what she say? Like the only people who don't experience shame are sociopaths, right? Um, thank you, Brene Brown. So on the one hand, it's normal because everybody's experienced it. But I'm just like, but has everybody experienced shame? Because on some level, everybody's experienced trauma hmm. and what that looks like. But whenever when I hear from somebody that they feel shame, I'm always I'm always looking for the thread. I'm always looking for the string. Like what what does this tie back to that somehow would make you believe that this means that there's something wrong with you as a person? And I know for a lot of us it was being told that there's something wrong with you well. as a person. <laughs> In no uncertain terms. Sometimes it's so. pretty direct. <laughs> Some of us do have that in our story. Thank you, verbal abuse um, <laughs> and emotional abuse. Yeah, where we, some of us have just actually been told that we are bad and there is something wrong with us. And, or just all human, not even necessarily us, but like that all humans that we're just naturally. More of like religion. Yeah, mean. yeah, like inherently. Yeah. I mean, both. Because then when you have that, then you probably also have the individual coming from your authority figures. But it stems from them in believing that they're inherently bad because we're all inherently bad. So, yeah. of course, their offspring so of course is going to be inherently bad. And now yeah. they have to do their best to correct that. Are you familiar with um, Gabor Mate? Have you heard of him? I have heard of him. Okay, so he wrote the book, um, When the Body Says No. I'm talking mm -hmm. about like the chronic illness stress connection. But he works a lot with people who deal with addiction. Um, and I did a class with him one, or I, yeah, I listened to, a, I don't remember what it was, heard him talk one time. And he explained this in a way for me that made a lot of sense. And I just see it happen over and over again. And he was talking about like for kids, like when kids are in an environment where, you know, he used different language, like it's unstable, but like, or like the parents really aren't fit parents in some way, shape or form. Um, He's like, if a child actually is in acceptance of the reality of that, like mm -hmm. my caretakers are not actually capable of being for me what I need them to be. They're not stable. They're not a firm foundation. They're not unconditionally loving. They're not, you know, what, whatever those things are that we need, we have those, those need, that need for unconditional love. And if a kid is to recognize that the people who are responsible for them are incapable of that. He's like, it makes the child's entire world unstable. The entire, like, it's like these, these are the things. And so it is safer as a child to switch it and believe that the world is stable and your parents know what they're talking about. Because then you can shift it to the problem is actually just me. And as much as that hurts, mm. it's safe. And then if we have people who look at themselves as like, okay, well, the problem is just me, then there is an element of agency. Mm -hmm. I can try harder. I can fix myself. As one of my clients says, I can unfuck myself. And if I can get there, then eventually I'll get this thing that I didn't have. 
and it's so messed up and it's so not how the world works and yet it happens in childhood and it's and it's this way of taking a situation that's not healthy and interpreting it the only way that they can to be able to survive and that's why when people are like yeah there's like shame there's something deeply wrong with me i'm like i already have a sense of what happened here mm-hmm. and i'm not going to make assumptions but no probably not but I'm guessing you were in a situation that was messed up and this was the only way your brain could interpret it to make sense, sense of it. Yeah. So yeah, like shame, drama. Every time. Makes good sense. Which means there's an awful lot of drama happening out there. <sighs> there's so much. There's so much. But I mean, when you look at, you know, <sighs> we define it as because trauma is never about what happens. It's about how our brain interprets it. It's about the best way I've ever heard trauma defined is it's like it's too much, too soon, too fast, or it's too little. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, they say too little, too slow, or for too long. Like, it's like not enough. It's one of the two. And so, you know, even situations where kids just like they don't ever, they aren't given that space to be loved unconditionally apart from what they do can Mm -hmm. develop into a version of complex trauma even if externally there wasn't anything that was major or bad like but there wasn't enough unconditional love for them to actually understand that it was there there wasn't enough affirmation of we love you for who you are not what you do for their brain to latch onto that being a true thing and it can result in complex trauma and result in some of these things um so it's not always this it's not always shock trauma. It's not always capital T trauma. When we actually pull back and we let and we open ourselves up to the concept of this wider definition of trauma and um, complex trauma and like lowercase t trauma. Yeah, I do believe all humans have some. And it affects these things. It would take a pretty remarkable human to have gotten to adulthood to where it's appropriate to be listening to these podcasts and yet you've had no trauma yeah that would be a yeah or pretty pretty (laughs) pretty lucky very i don't know how any of that would work um but so all that to say um for my own life yeah shame shame has become and it's been interesting to notice as an adult like where i feel it like, like what situations bring it on and what that's tied to it's definitely been sort of a a door I guess to healing and it's been a it's been a thing that lets me know okay this I'm not in a mindset thing here this is a trauma thing here Mm. and the answer here isn't going to be logic like our broken inner child doesn't respond to logic it's it's like the idea of like finding a toddler and like the toddler's like the toddler's like crying and screaming because they feel unsafe and then sitting them down it's like let's do a four-point lecture on why we're actually safe right now it's like no the kidney like you pick them up you pat their back you rock them do you need a snack do you need a drink do you need whatever it's it's a self-comforting it's a self-soothing it's a much more primal way of addressing it and so i always like to do everything cognitive but whenever it's when shame's present i'm like okay shame equals trauma equals this is not a logic problem yeah. in the first place. So I'm not going to solve it that way. This is going to be breath work. This is going to be somatics. This is going to be inner child healing. This is going to be something else. Um, Hopefully some massages. Like, <laughs> so- it sounds really good right now. <laughs> right? Trauma. Oh my gosh. After talking trauma, we're going to have to go shake it off after this. <laughs> um, but we already knew Feyre had trauma. Yes. And poor girl, she's going to have some more. <laughs> <laughs> No, no spoilers. Dun, but Jesus, dun, dun. she in for it, this one. 
Oh my word. <laughs> this is not the end. Like, we're like, hey, her life was really hard up to this point. Buckle up, folks, it's about to get harder. Yes, it is. <laughs> and there we have it. The end of chapter 11. Yeah. Finally feeling some regret and shame. Thanks for joining us, guys, for another fantastic podcast here at A Court of Transformation and Awakening. And if you would like to go deeper or get more involved, you can join us over at ACOTA. That's A-C-O-T-A-A dot circle dot S-O. Um, you can leave comments. You can get involved in the fan chats. Just chat about anything you want about the books or about shame and trauma. It doesn't even have to be related to anything in the books. It could be about your favorite recipe if you really want to. <laughs> and we will see you there or here on our next podcast. Have a good one. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.